Chapter Twenty Five of the Amethyst Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Amethyst Cross by Fergus Hume. Chapter Twenty Five. Revenge. A week later and George was seated beside Lesbia on the well-known bench under the famous chestnut tree. Lord Charvington had recovered from his apoplectic fit, and was now progressing favorably. For two or three days Lesbia and Mrs. Walker had nursed him, but when Lady Charvington heard of her husband's illness, she came down to the court at once. A furious passage of arms took place between her and Mrs. Walker, which resulted in the defeat of the latter lady. Her enemy— being Sharvington's wife and mistress of the house, had the power to send away those whom she regarded as interlopers, and she exercised this power forthwith. Lesbia departed under the wing of Mrs. Walker, and Sharvington was too ill to prevent his wife from behaving in this despotic manner. Mrs. Walker desired the girl to come to Medmanham, there to remain until such time as she could be married. But Lesbia, thinking of Tim, insisted on returning to Rose Cottage. Jabez allowed her sufficient money to live on, pending his handing over to her the invested fifty thousand pounds, so there was no difficulty on the score of money. Then it was unlikely that Hale would come back to see Lesbia, now that she knew the truth, and under the charge of the devoted Tim, she could remain quietly until George found occasion to make her his wife. But there was another reason why Hale could not come. He was in hiding, for the information given to the police by Canning, forced, in order to save himself, to turn King's evidence, had resulted in the arrest of Tate and Mrs. Petty, and several members of the infamous gang, whose names Canning had supplied. But Hale had managed to escape, likewise Captain Sargent, who had been warned by Maud, that clever young lady, having seen at Jabez's office that the game was up, did what she could to put the rest of the gang on the alert, and then vanished like a bubble. Things were in this position when George sat hand in hand with Lesbia under the chestnut tree, discussing the future. I saw Lord Charvington yesterday, explained the young man, and he is now rapidly getting better. He proposes that we shall get married next month and accompany him to the south of France. He has a villa there which he will place at our disposal. And Lady Charvington? asked Lesbia timidly. "'Your stepmother,' said Walker, smiling. "'No,' said Lesbia, shuddering. "'Don't call her that.' "'Why not? She has behaved exactly as a stepmother does, in fiction.' Lesbia shook her head. "'I think of her merely as Lady Charvington, a stranger, and when we are married I shall never set eyes on her again.' "'I don't think she wants to see you,' said George dryly. "'She is still vindictive.' It seems that she always loved your father, and can never forgive your dead mother for having married him. Thus she visits her anger upon you, my dear. However, what she does or what she says matters little, and for her own sake she will say as little as possible. She is a strange woman, sighed Lesbia, and very unhappy. Don't make any mistakes, my dear. Lady Charvington is too hard-hearted to be unhappy. So long as she has her rank and her title and her crowds of adorers, she cares for no one. Whatever love she may have had for your father, she has long since given entirely to herself. 
Do Agatha and Lena know that I am their half-sister? No. I was talking about that yesterday to Lord Charvington. As you know, he has not been able to do anything because of his illness, but he is only waiting to get on his feet again to put matters straight. In what way? asked the girl anxiously. Well, you are his daughter, my dear, and he desires to acknowledge you as such in the most public manner. No, said Lesbia firmly and sadly. That would be useless and would do no good. Such an acknowledgment would only lead to a lot of questions being asked by my father's friends, and then the whole unhappy business will be raked up. I don't want my miserable story to be published in the papers, especially as Mr. Hale's name is so notorious. Let me marry you quietly, my dear, and then we can go away to France with my father for a few months. I have you. I have the money left to me by my mother, and I have found my real father. The rest matters very little. George kissed her. You wise little darling, he said admiringly. I think your decision is exactly what I should expect from your common-sense way of looking at things. I agree with you that it is best to let sleeping dogs lie, and not to stir up muddy waters, and not to... to... What other proverb shall I use, Lesbia? Let the dead past bury its dead, she replied seriously. We have had much trouble, and we have been parted. Now the troubles appear to have come to an end, and we are together. Let us marry and enjoy our good fortune and be happy in our own small way. Amen, 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 said George, laughing. And indeed, I think we deserve the good fortune, for we did not refuse to bear the cross. And so have gained the crown of perfect love, said Lesbia contentedly as she nestled in her lover's arms. The garden was still brilliant with many-hued roses, and the river murmured a joyous song as it flowed tranquilly under the deeply blue summer sky. But the blackbird and his mate had gone away with their brood, and the nest was deserted. Still other birds remained, and other birds were singing lustily of summer joys. Basking in the warm sunshine, contented with each other's company, George and Lesbia passed into that hour of silence, which speaks of love so deep that no speech is needed. They listened to the birds, to the river, to the whispering of the breeze, and dreamed of a future that would always be happy. They were together. They understood each other, so nothing else mattered. But their golden hour was disturbed by Tim, who hobbled down the pathway with a distressed look on his ugly, kind face. The two expected him, so the arrival was not an intrusion. For several days Lesbia had insisted that Tim should explain how much she had known of the many disgraceful things lately found out. Hitherto Tim had evaded an explanation, but on that morning he had gravely promised to tell what he knew. Therefore, when he halted before the dreaming couple, George roused himself. "'Here is Tim, my darling,' he said with a laugh. "'Put him in the witness-box. "'Ye might say the confessional, Master Darge,' replied Tim, "'squatting on the dry grass and looking like a good-tempered gnome. "'What is it ye want to know, me darling heart?' "'About my father. "'That is, about Mr. Hale,' said Lesbia, who had been addressed. "'The bands have death on him,' muttered Tim, using an ancient Irish oath. "'Sure I knew he wasn't any kith or kin as yours, miss, "'though by the same token I never rightly knew "'as his lordship was your father.' "'Tim,' said his young mistress severely, 
you told mrs walker in my presence that there was no child with a poor lady who died at wimbledon is that your mother ye talk of miss asked him innocently sure it was lying i were and if i hadn't lied that devil ut's the mather i mean would have brought trouble on ye in what way tim asked george looking puzzled ugh never ask me sir but wasn't i always listening and poking and prying when that devil ut's the master i mean had tim directly tattered medallions here thieves they were and spies and rackovers of stolen goods bad luck to them the mather caught me one night and learned as i knew of the devilment he wore indulgin in and says he tim says he if ye breathe one word i go to jail and by the same token i'll see that miss lesbia goes with me well ye know says he as she lies when calling me her father but if ye tell her i am not says he it means jail for us both arg tim rocked in much distress and what could i do miss dear me not knowin the true father av ye and if you had known tim asked lesbia anxiously if i'd known as his lordship were your father said tim emphatically i would have gone on me bare shin-bones to ask him to take ye out at this devil's ouse but me mather bad luck to him lied like the father of lies as he'll some day go to and being in the dark as it were i didn't dare to let a mouse's squeak of what i knew come to your purty ears miss but you hinted that the cross would bring trouble tim i did that miss sure when the mother that bore you died in the arms of me own mother she got the cross and says she with her last gasp let me child have it when she grows up to prove as she's me lawful child and if there's money comin says she though be the same token me sister has got it all the crafts may get it for the child but never let her see her father says she for a bad man he's been to me not altogether bad tim said lesbia gently my mother was deceived did she tell bridget my father's name no miss said tim promptly had she told i'd a learned it when me own mother died and then i'd have asked his lordship to take ye from this evil that's the mather i mean but me mother said nothing for she knew nothing save what she told ye about the cross and says me mother to me when she gave me the cross there'll be trouble over yon cross says she for the sights on me being near ye latter end says she trouble there'll be over the cross and sorrow and tears and sudden death but them who love will win clear and them as is bad will come to the black grave there has been trouble certainly tim said lesbia sighing and the cross both began it and ended it as your mother declared it would but now thank god she turned to place her arms round george's neck it's all over and we shall have no more your mother prophesied rightly tim save that there has been no sudden death or black grave and there isn't likely to be tim rocked and shook his huge head them as is gone to their long rest sees things as them alive can't get a squint at me mother foresaw the sorrow and tears at the cross and the joy which ye and mather jarge there have now good luck to both of ye so the sudden death and the black grave will come i doubt not 
"'But here, me dears,' said Tim, after pause, "'there's one thing you don't know as I'll tell ye.' "'And what is that?' asked George, smiling. "'Twas me, Mather Garge, as carried ye from the river-bank to the room in yonder,' Tim nodded towards the cottage. "'I wore out fishing, and I saw ye in the moonlight lying on the path. "'Though, be me soul, I never dreamed twas you. "'I rode ashore and found ye stunned and bound.' "'Bad luck to the divil who did it. "'I took ye into the cottage "'and called softly to the young mistress there. "'She thought twas a dram "'and came down to see to you. "'And now ye know, both of ye.' "'Lesbia and George looked at one another in astonishment. "'Why didn't you tell us this before?' "'asked Walker sharply. "'And why did you bring me to the cottage?' "'Sure now,' said Tim, in injured tones. Didn't I think as twas the master had been up to some divilment, and didn't dare speak in case he got Miss Lesbia clapped into jail alongside him? But I knew as a master would never dare to harm ye in his own house, with Miss Lesbia by the side of ye, and so I brought ye here into his very jaws, as it were. And wasn't I right, me dear sir? Yes, assented George promptly. I think you were. It was very clever of you to have protected me in that way, even though it was Canning and not Hale who assaulted me. Well, Lesbia, he turned to the girl. Here is another thing made clear. Quite a surprise. I hope it is the last surprise, said the girl wearily. I am very tired of being surprised. In that case, said a smooth voice at her elbow, you will be tired at seeing me. Lesbia started to her feet with a cry and George with an exclamation of astonishment. As to Tim, he scrambled to his feet with an oath. Arr! Murther! Murther! cried the Irishman. It's the black devil his own self. That's complimentary, said Hale, who was standing calm and composed near the lovers. You were so busily engaged talking, Lesbia, that you did not hear me come down the path. How dare you come here? said the girl indignantly. It's my own house. I had the key, retorted Hale coolly. I opened the front door and entered. Finding no one within, I came here, and find that Tim is giving me away. But I am not so black as I am painted. You are much worse, I dare say, said George bluntly. Oh, you're there, you lucky young man, said Hale, raising his eyebrows. I congratulate you on marrying Lesbia and on getting the money. In spite of all your plotting, said Walker sharply. Hale sat down on the bench with a sudden look of fatigue. He was cool and smiling and wore himself both shamelessly and dauntlessly, but it was apparent that he behaved thus out of bravado, in spite of his boldness, and of the fact that he was dressed as carefully as ever. He was thoroughly ill and had his back to the wall. "'You had better leave this place,' said Lesbia to her lover. "'The police are hunting for you.' "'Someone else is hunting for me,' said Hale gloomily. Maud Ellis is on my track, swearing vengeance. Why should she? Because to get the money and induce her to play her part, I promised to marry her. I have no intention of doing so. Then again, for my own safety, I have sent a communication to the police, offering to tell all I know about Tate and his gang, on condition that I am let off. Maud, confound her, has found this out, and swears to have my life. She would scarcely go so far as that, said George scornfully. Oh, I think so, said Hale quietly. 
She can't show herself, as she is in danger from the police also, and so will revenge herself as she best can. I don't think there's much she would stick at. I caught sight of her on the London platform as I came down this morning, so I expect she will follow me to this house. There will be trouble unless you can aid me to get away. How can we compound a felony? asked George, frowning. It is better than to see a tragedy, retorted Hale. I am not afraid of Maud unless she takes me by surprise, but that is just what she will do. I am not your father, Lesbia, as you know now, and perhaps I have not been kind in my treatment. All the same, I ask you to exercise that kind nature which you always declared you possessed, and give me fifty pounds to get abroad with. Once across the channel, I can shift for myself. I have not got fifty pounds, said Lesbia, hesitating. Badly as Hale had treated her, she yet wished to assist him, and truly he was in great need of the coals of fire which she could heap upon his head. "'You can soon get it,' said Hale eagerly. "'Charpington will give you anything. Send Walker to ask him for the money, and I can remain concealed in the cottage until he returns.' The lovers looked at one another. Both were inclined to assist the miserable man, little as he deserved kindness at their hands. Tim, with a grim face, stood neutral, but being of a less forgiving nature, would gladly have pitched his old master into the river had Lesbia but lifted a finger. But she gave no sign, so Tim waited. It was hard to say what would have happened had not fate decided the matter. The four people in the garden were so deeply engaged in conversation that they did not observe a boat crossing the river from the opposite shore, some distance above the garden. Tim, indeed, did catch a glimpse of a craft holding two people, but did not take much notice. The boat reached the near shore and then dropped down alongside the bank until it was directly abreast of the chestnut tree. Then, for the first time, George and Lesbia looked round at the sound of dipping oars. Hale raised his head and looked also. The next moment there was the sharp report of a revolver, and he rolled off the bench shot through the breast. Twice again the revolver spoke, and twice Hale was wounded. Maud Ellis was a sure shot. "'There,' cried she, flinging the weapon ashore to Lesbia. "'You can finish him off. He betrayed my uncle, he betrayed me, he betrayed us all. Only Sergeant, who is rowing me, and I have escaped. Goodbye, Lesbia. You have your lover. My lover. The man I adore. I hope you'll be happy. I have done justice on that blackguard, so I am going to clear.' You'll never see me again, and you can thank your stars that I did not kill you as well as that scoundrel there. George, good-bye, good-bye. She sat down quickly in the boat, which was already receding rapidly from the garden. Sergeant apparently had not expected that Maud would have been so thorough in her vengeance, and could be seen talking angrily to her. He rowed with all his might across the river, let the boat drift downstream, and leaped ashore. Maud followed alertly, and the two set off running rapidly. Where they went, or how they escaped, George never knew, but that was the last seen of them in England. Meanwhile, Lesbia was on her knees beside the wretched man who had done her so much harm, striving to staunch his wounds with her handkerchief. Tim already had run up the path, shouting for the police, and George was about to follow, as he wanted Maud to be arrested for her dastardly crime, when Hale opened his eyes. "'Are you there, Lesbia?' he asked faintly. "'It's no use my asking for your forgiveness, 
as I hate being a sneak at the last moment. I have lived bad, and I have died bad, but I can say this, that you are the sole human being I regret having injured. You are a fool, as you have always been, like your father, but you are a sweet fool, and I, I, he choked. Hush, hush, said Lesbia distractedly. George, take him into the house and fetch the doctor. We must save him. No, gasped Hale with a flash of energy. Don't save me to let me rot in jail. Maud has done me a good turn after all. I die and, and, I cheat. I cheat the law. He opened his eyes again and stared at the two pale faces, then smiled. God bless you, he gasped. Oh, to think that I should bless... He laughed, but the effort was too great, and he fell back dead. At the same moment, Tim came running down with a policeman at his heels. "'It's too late, Tim. He is dead,' said Lesbia faintly. "'Dead, is it?' muttered Tim, staring and crossing himself. "'Then me mother were right in all she said. Sudden death and the black grave. Arg! Sure, twas the truth me mother spake, after all.'" End of chapter 25 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.